What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, my A1 since day one, Shelton's very own, Tyler Pacholke. Before we start the show, we appreciate you all so much for listening. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review the show wherever you're listening to us. That really helps out as well. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on all social media platforms and follow us as well at The Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, we got a very special guest joining us, our sponsor and good friend Jacob Diamond from J Diamond Estates. We'll go around the diamond with Jacob and talk about opening weekend in Major League Baseball as the Dodgers started their World Series title defense. Then Tyler and I will discuss Ben McElmore signing with the Lakers and Isaiah Thomas and Boogie Cousins joining new teams and Drew Holiday's contract extension during three in the key. All this and more on episode 189 of the TSK show coming up right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 189 of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Joining me as always, Shelton's very own Tyler Pacholke. Tyler, how are you, man? I'm doing good, man, but I'm not doing as good as Paul Pierce was <laughs> in his life. He was living his best life. Listen, Tyler, I was al- I was awake for real-time reaction on Twitter to that. I didn't get a chance to see the actual Instagram live. Uh, I made it late to late to the party, as as they would say, if 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 I was sh- trying to show up to Paul Pierce's house that night. Uh, I I got. I got to his Instagram page late. I, I couldn't see the live, but I, I saw the live reaction on Twitter uh, around 1 a.m. I think it was Saturday uh, morning. What a what a live, man! Wow. What's what's really what's really funny is he's he might make more money off of this in his career now. Oh, dude! And he became so much more likable after this. It's not even funny. He he takes a lot of L's. He's dude. taking a lot of L's. People were saying people were saying that it really took some strippers for ESPN to fire Paul Pierce when he really should have been fired for his basketball takes on ESPN. Yeah, no, he's he's been uh it's it's been it's been surprisingly bad. <laughs> yeah. And I mean He's I, gonna be he's gonna be he's gonna be doing something cool next though. Where do you think he's going? Well, I guess the obvious would be, like, Barstool. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think he's going to Barstool. But also, you know, I, I saw, you know, he's got these adult sites. Dude, I saw one you know, was trying to, to offer him, like, him. a quarter mil or something. like two, Yeah, like $250,000, something yeah. like that. Yeah, see, that's, like, enough to make headlines. But that's not enough money. No, not yeah. for an NBA champion. Yeah, like... NBA Hall of Famer, like there'll be there'll be something 
there'll be something somewhere where he lands. It's going to be really unique. It's going to be funny. Well, I mean, I think I think the obvious choices are Barstool and Fox. Um, so we'll see if he ends up at FS1 or, or Barstool or somewhere else. He might he might do his own thing. You never know. I mean, people, that's what he's, I mean. You know, he, he, he's got a name big enough to where it. if he if he started like his own podcast or his own sort of content YouTube type thing, he he could probably carry it for for a decent amount of time. Yeah, I mean. If- if he's given bad basketball takes with dancers in the background, I think that would do well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as long as there's something to look at, you know. It's uh, it's such a funny story, though. No, it's. Oh, what? Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's nothing really more you can say other than that. But what I do want to talk about before uh, we get our uh, our guest on, we we have our our amazing gracious sponsor Jacob Diamond from J Diamond Estates coming on to talk some baseball with us in a little bit um but before we talk about that Baylor won the men's national championship 86 to 70 over the formerly undefeated Gonzaga Bulldogs I'm sorry Tyler that uh the the, the Bulldogs couldn't get it done for the Pacific Northwest but the Bulldogs they did beat the Bruins in overtime by 3 uh, on an incredible buzzer beater by Jalen Suggs. And, I mean, people were saying the game between the Bruins and the Bulldogs was the greatest college basketball game in the last 15 years, if not longer. That I mean, it was a game for the ages. And with the way it ended, it it was hard to really be upset that the Bruins lost. It was... It was a crazy game, Tyler. I don't, I don't know it, it, where, where you yeah, were no, when it, you were watching or what, what you were doing. No, it, <laughs> it, well, for the UCLA game, uh, I was just watching it at home, and, and it, was, it was obviously an amazing game. Uh, and Jalen Suggs has been a guy that we've actually like talked about on the show before. Yep. Um, so it was dope to just see, you know, see that all hot steam you know, growing up in, like you said, growing up in the Pacific Northwest, I've seen it since they were uh, a Cinderella team in 2000, 2001, you know, all the way up to now, you know, I saw something where they're the first, I think Max Kellerman said they're the first program to go from David to Goliath. (laughs) I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, that is pretty good. You know, now really the last thing is is just winning one. You know, they they proved it all. They had a good season. The UCLA game was amazing, but they lost that national championship game in like the first four or five minutes. Oh my God. It was a, that, I mean, a 16 point game is not really an indication of how that game went. No, because, you know, for in the first minute, in the first two minutes, in the first three minutes, you know, Gonzaga had to hit a shot. And so it was, it was just, it was ugly from the start and they never, they never closed the gap. Well, they can hang their hat on Adam Morrison finally getting revenge on the Bruins. But hey, I still got I still yeah. got love in my heart for Adam Morrison cuz he's he's a two-time champion with the Lakers. So Yeah. Adam Morrison's yeah, good in my book. No, Morrison's a legend. <laughs> and then uh real quick uh some thoughts uh from the NFL uh the big headline from this week is obviously Sam Darnold getting traded to the Carolina Panthers for a sixth rounder in 2021. Uh, so the draft coming up later this month. 
and a second rounder and a fourth rounder in 2022. So one pick this year, two picks uh, next year for Sam Darnold. Robert Sala is the new coach for the Jets coming over from San Francisco as the defensive coordinator. And now he's got a potential new quarterback with the number two overall pick. We'll see what uh, they do. Um, because, I mean, I don't know what direction New York is going to go. Obviously, they got to go quarterback, but they, they are going to have some choices. But now with Sam Darnold in Carolina, him and Teddy Bridgewater are either going to compete for the starting job or I'm also seeing reports that Carolina is taking trade offers on Teddy Bridgewater. So this could be Sam Darnold's team now in Carolina, Tyler. What what do you think is going to happen? Well, I definitely think it's going to be Sam Darnold's team in Carolina. Uh, and then uh, as far as New York goes, I think they've all but come out and said that they're going to take Zach Wilson. I, I actually think they might have even reached out to Zach Wilson at this point in time. So I think they're basically locked in 100% on Zach Wilson. I'm. It'll be interesting to see though because if it'll take it'll take Trevor Lawrence not getting drafted number one for them to not take Zach Wilson from what I from what I see or what I read. Yeah, but I mean Justin Fields is having a second pro day, so we'll see if New York shows up to that. I know San Francisco is going to be there. Yeah. You know, I I personally would probably go with Justin Fields, but I think that the I think Jets are on Zach Wilson. Well, the draft is only uh, a few weeks away, and uh, only time will tell. Yeah, I'm stoked. Yeah, no, I love the NFL draft. It's great couple of days. It's crazy because the draft this year is in Cleveland, and how how ironic is it that the draft is going to be in Cleveland after Cleveland has kind of had this resurgence as as a franchise with the Browns and I mean I, I think it's going to be buzzing and I mean there's going to be fans there so it's the draft's going to be a really interesting atmosphere this year especially after the year that we've we've all just uh been through yeah I think that's definitely going to play a big part yeah yeah I think all live events for for, for a little bit are going to be you know, a little more exciting just because people are so ready to be out and about. Yeah, definitely. So uh, it's it's interesting that Sam Darnold is is now now in Carolina. I mean, I think the writing was kind of on the wall uh, with New York getting the the number two overall pick, just in general, uh, with such a strong quarterback class coming out uh, with this year's draft class. But uh, we'll we'll see what. It was a no, great, great move for Carolina. I feel like they yeah. they, 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 won, they won that deal. I think New York likes their guys, so that that's that's fine. We'll yeah. see how it works out in the future, but uh, I think I think Carolina got got something uh, legit for the price they gave up. Yeah, they they didn't give up. I I don't think they really gave up too much. They gave up a two, a four, and a six. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't end up having to give up a first, which I think is key in this whole matter because 
let's be real, Sam Darnold is is not the greatest statistical quarterback in the NFL currently, and it's it's really no, not what you're expecting a from a number one player. overall pick. He's a what? He's a he's a capable player though. Oh, he's I thought you a said I, I thought you said Super Bowl. I was like, wait, what? I'll, I no, heard... He's a capable. Yeah, he's capable. A capable guy. Okay. He's younger. He's younger than Joe Burrow. Yeah, that's so he, wild. You know, he he's a. I think that he's had a fair. He's had an unfair shake at it so far. Uh, being being with the Jets, that um, well, they haven't done much to exciting. support him. It's so it's exciting. Yeah, I think this is a better. This is a better deal for him. And Carolina still has the eighth pick, so they're most likely going to be able to get him some help too. You know. Yeah, and let's be real. I think for both Carolina and the Jets, it's like Matt Rule's coming into his second year, but we kind of knew Teddy wasn't going to be the long-term answer in Carolina for Matt Rule. So this gives him a chance at a new start with still a young, quote-unquote, potentially blossoming quarterback in the league that that people do still see potential in. And then Robert Sala with the number two overall pick and getting rid of Sam Darnold, he has the chance to come into his first season with a rookie quarterback and try and start something fresh in New York. So we'll we'll see what happens with with both these teams because I honestly think that at least in Carolina, I definitely think they they're they're on the rise with McCaffrey coming back from injury, um, and then New York. We'll we'll see what Robert Sala can do in his first year as a head coach. Yep, I'm excited to watch. Yep. So before we go around the diamond with Jacob Diamond, I got to let you know that this episode of the Sports Kingdom show is sponsored by J Diamond Estates. For all of your real estate needs here in the Los Angeles area, contact Jacob Diamond at 818-451-8539, or you can check out his website, jdiamondestates.com, DRE number 020-68311. Here we go. Clayton Kershaw pitches a no-hitter. A career-high 15 strikeouts. He's a new all-time hip king in Major League history. Number two, five, eight, my, oh, my. Line to left field. Moment after moment. Memory after memory. The Dodgers have done it again. High fly ball into right field. She is. Muncy hits this ball to deep right field. Forget about it. Muncy with a splash hit. Veritek and A-Rod going at it. Swing and a drive. Absolute madness. It's going to take forever to get this thing straightened out. That one strike three. Dodgers have won it all in 2020. Oh man, Tyler, it's been a long time since we've heard the the baseball intro music, hasn't it? It's been a long time. <laughs> but I had to make sure to update it since uh since the Dodgers have won the World Series and now have embarked on their title defense. Um I do have to update the basketball one, which I know I didn't have time before the show tonight. I only had time for one. Uh, with the with the Lakers championship, but uh, I'll I'll get to that for next week. Uh, but I had to make sure to update it because we of course have our amazing, our great sponsor, none other than Jacob Diamond from J Diamond Estates, joining us to go around the diamond as we have 
started the 2021 Major League Baseball season, and the Dodgers have started their World Series title defense. Jacob, welcome to the Sports Kingdom show. How are you tonight? Thank you very much, Eric and Tyler, for having me. Love the TSK show. Not the, you know, everyday topics on every sports network, but behind the scenes, real talk yes. between, you know, just the average Joe. Uh, yes. Happy to be here. Yes, we appreciate it. That's that's what we want. We're, t- we're trying to just provide a different perspective. Uh, that's That's honestly what I love about sports is talking about one topic with, different people and, and getting to hear so many different opinions on that topic. That's, that's really what I find beautiful about sports and talking about sports. So let's, let's start it off leading off going around the diamond. Obviously we got to start with the Dodgers. They they've started the season five and two. They lost on opening day to the Colorado Rockies and then went on to win the next five in a row. But then they lost today uh, four to three in 10 innings to the Oakland Athletics. But first, I want to go back to the Rockies series because one thing uh, I love about baseball is it's the one sport where you have the best chance to see something you've never seen before happen. And this series between the Dodgers and the Rockies had two things that I don't think I've ever seen happen, nor did I think there was a chance of them happening in the same series between the same two teams within the same two days. So first, obviously, I want to talk about Cody Bellinger's home run turned single and then Zach McKinstry's first career home run, which was an inside-the-park home run, which was basically almost caught and robbed by the Colorado Rockies outfielder, but he slingshot it back into play, and, and Zach McKinstry was able to to score on an inside the park home run. But Jacob, what have you ever seen a play like what happened with Cody Bellinger and Justin Turner on that home run turned single, turned out? It it was crazy. I have never seen heard thought it could ever happen where a home run turns into a single. Now, I 100% understand, you know, passing someone on the bases while the ball is still in play. And keywords in play. But at that point, when you think it's either going to be caught as a fly ball or it's in the stands, which it went in the stands, you would think the home run would just take precedent over the, let's say, mental mistake that Turner made of letting Bellinger pass him or Bellinger's mental mistake of, do I pause right now? Right. Because it looked like I hit it out. I'm keeping going. Well, and that's, and that's the thing. It's, it was such a bang-bang play, and that's, that's what I think – there's there's a blessing and a curse to the instant replay era that I think we live in in all sports and, and especially in baseball. It's like, yeah, Justin Turner and Cody Bellinger passed each other on the base path, but you can just go back and look and see that was a home run. Like, it shouldn't matter. Like, yes, Justin Turner did the smart thing because he thought that it was caught 
and that Cody Bellinger was robbed of a home run. But Cody Bellinger saw the ball go like come out of the glove and literally land in front of fans' feet. So it's like I feel like the instant replay could have rectified that, but I understand the rule. I just I think it's a dumb rule in this situation. And I mean, it is what it is, but it was such a, a weird play, Tyler. I don't know if you got a chance to see what happened with it. Yeah, I did. Uh, that is just it's just so so weird. I mean, you you're right. Like I didn't even think that was possible, let alone think that I would be able to ever see that kind of play. Right. Like uh, just 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 a, just a weird scenario. I mean, it 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 really is a a one-off. Yeah, and like I I understand and like obviously knew the rule that it's like if if a player like passes another player on the base path one of them is out but it's like that's where I go back to the instant replay issue where it's like you can just go back and see that it's a home run and everybody should just be rounding the bases like it's it shouldn't be an issue but it is what it is I think with the other issue there is the slippery slope with any type of instant replay call yeah. uh, once you start extending the boundaries of replay more and more, the whole game kind of loses its true feeling. Well, we're we're starting to see that with people calling for an automated strike zone. Exactly. So I look. I understand the ruling. It's tough. And look, we still came out with the win. So uh, no complaints. Well, not that day. That was opening day. Oh, sorry. That was opening day. Sorry, I was thinking of in the uh, with the McKinstry's. Yeah, with McKinstry. Sorry, with McKinstry. Um, but look, game one of one sixty-two. Yeah, hey, at at this point, seven games in, we're we're five and two. We're we're first in the division right now, but it's it's a long season. But also, I mean, Zach McKinstry's inside the park home run. That was his first career home run. What a way to to start your career. I mean, you're on the World Series defending champion Dodgers, and you hit an and it wasn't like it wasn't like your typical little league inside the park home run where the ball got under someone's glove in the outfield and it went past them or the outfielder slipped and everybody started fumbling the ball because it ricocheted off the walls crazy or anything like that like no this was like it would have been a legit home run but the outfielder made an incredible play but because of how like close to not catching it the outfielder was for him like trying to bring it back it slingshot the ball back into play and when the Rockies outfielder landed he just kind of was like oh man and didn't realize the ball had like landed back into play and then he heard the fans like yelling at him and he got up and tried to run after it but by then it was too late yeah, agreed. I mean, look, I've seen many like first plate appearance in the in the big leagues, home runs, uh, never inside the Parkers. But I also think, with the circumstances of the, of them being in, in Colorado at Coors Field, that allowed for the inside the park home run to happen just because of how huge the field is. I think maybe in Dodger Stadium with that slingshot from the outfielder. It ends up maybe in the shortstop's hands, or the center fielder can is already has a 
shorter distance to cover while covering for the left fielder. So, hey, all, all to McKinstry for getting a home run, uh, no matter how it was. And I honestly think this guy has a, br- a bright future ahead with the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, Trevor Bauer took a no-hitter into the seventh inning uh, at Coors Field in his debut. Uh, he had 10 strikeouts again today. He had 10 strikeouts in his first start. So back-to-back 10 strikeouts for Trevor Bauer, but he seems to have an issue in the seventh inning. But, I mean, I'm still optimistic about him. I think it's a, a great pickup for the Dodgers, adding a, a weapon like that to to an already stacked rotation who was getting David Price back. But David Price is coming out of the bullpen now, but he told Dave Roberts he's willing to do whatever for the team. But what, what are your thoughts on Trevor Bauer coming to the Dodgers and and his debut and, and his second start and what he's done so far? I think Trevor Bauer brings personality to a city that loves personality. I think he is a tremendous pitcher. I love that he is a like zero fucks person and is yeah. just he's going to play the game the way he thinks the game should be played and overall I'm just excited to see what this rotation does uh i'm a little worried with just the bullpen at times in general with dodgers but the way the starting rotation is stacked i can't wait to see it all go through the 162 in the postseason and then hopefully in the near future i get a ticket to the game and see it in person (laughs) yeah i know i know i'm trying to get into dodger stadium as soon as possible any way that i i possibly can uh, Tyler, don't you think that Trevor Bauer is a personality that baseball needs, like in terms of its marketing? Like, I wish, like guys like Mike Trout well, would well, would market I, themselves as much as Trevor Bauer does, because that would just that would take the sport, I feel like, to a whole nother level. Yeah, I was about to say baseball needs all the personalities they can get, and on top of that, they need personalities in big markets. So, uh, obviously, it's it's a great match for baseball. And Mike Trout is, yeah, he is just such an anomaly when it comes to being a superstar. And, like, superstar is in, like, the best of a generation, you know. Um, I mean, people consider him the, be- the greatest of all time already. He just hasn't got but, it done in the so, postseason. Yeah, so, you know. It it is unfortunate for baseball um, that he is more of a character, but it's just I don't think he's got it in him. It's not who he is. Yeah. So, Jacob, you mentioned the bullpen, and today the Dodgers lost in extra innings. Like I said, um, Kenley Jansen blew a save in the ninth inning. The Dodgers had a three to two lead, and it ended up being three to three headed into the tenth inning. And, I mean, for me, it's time we have a conversation about Kenley as as the closer. Um, Dave Roberts, after the game today, he said that it was uncharacteristic of Kenley to, to not have control. And there was a lot of people, and myself included, who are puzzled by that statement because... I feel like Kenley's lacked control for like the last at least three years. And this dark cloud has been cast over him 
as the closer for the Dodgers for a long time now. And, I mean, it sucks that Bruce Dargratterall is injured because I think after his performance in the postseason last year, uh, I think he's being primed to take over that role f- from Jansen. So, I mean, I just – I don't know what to do about Kenley anymore, Jacob. It's – I'm – I love him. He's – I'm so happy that he won his World Series last season, but it's like he's just not the same guy. I wholeheartedly agree with you. The statement of how this was – not common for Kenley Jensen to not have control is I think an utter lie. And then, but just trying to cover his player, like a manager should. Exactly. Manager... I give, I give Roberts all the credit in the world for, for covering his player. That's what, that's what he should do as a manager. But I mean, let's, let's be real here. We it's something's got to give, you know, I think you put Kenley in the seventh or eighth right now. And place Trinan in the ninth until uh, Gratterall gets healthy. Um, Boost his confidence in a lower stressed inning. Yeah. He can't be in high leverage situations anymore. It's, it's, it's a detriment but, to the team. A hundred percent. But you know, if he proves himself with those low stress innings and then, you know what you, you get, you throw him a bone every now and then and see how he does. And if it works out, then you know what you have, a strong bullpen going into the postseason, but let's put someone else in the ninth or make it somewhat of a rotation in the ninth for right now until Gratterall or someone emerges themselves and let Kenley just get his uh, confidence back in the seventh and eighth. I wouldn't be mad at trying David Price as the closer. I wouldn't either. I mean, Price uh, did the whole bullpen thing uh, for the Red Sox when they won the World Series. Yeah, and he ca- he came out of the bullpen the other day for the Dodgers. He didn't have the greatest in the first game, but you know, it, it, I mean, it's you know, first game blues. Yeah, hey, he took a season off. <laughs> also true. So but, I honestly think we should just you know shake up the bullpen and uh, let the rotation do its job. Yeah, and I mean, listen, on the other side of the coin. The Dodgers were 2 of 21 with runners in scoring position, and I feel like the Dodgers leaving men on base has been the story of the Dodgers my entire life. Uh, Yes, I agree. Uh, My dad and joke, joke all the time. Bases loaded two outs. Okay, we can change the channel uh, (laughs) before the commercial to go watch the end of Jeopardy because... They're not going to score with bases loaded two outs and leave three men on base. It's been the running joke in the family for years. Yeah. Um, and then, look, it also hurts when Cody's out and you're resting Mookie. And uh, Yeah, Mookie had some stiffness in his back this morning, so he sat out today. Cody Bellinger got spiked in the ankle running to first base two, day, two nights ago, so he's potentially going on the injured list. So it's... Um... But I'd rather have this all happen now... Oh yeah, um, for sure. Beginning of the season. Listen, as it's only later on. We're seven games in, but it's just really unfortunate that when Bauer put the performance together that he put out today, aside from giving up the home run in the seventh inning, but we the Dodgers still had a three to two lead at that point. It's like Kenley should have been able to come in and close that game with the bullpen getting it done after Bauer came out. 
So it's yes, I, I, I agree. I think it, it's more the bullpen's fault than the one for 20, one for 22 that they were with runners in scoring position because they gave Bauer the lead and he left with the lead. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be, it's going to be a long road for, for the Dodgers. They're seven games in. Uh, and listen, all I'm looking forward to is this weekend opening weekend at Dodger stadium. The renovations are done, uh, from what I've heard and they're going to be wearing the gold outline jerseys for this home opening series this weekend against the nationals. And we'll talk about what's, what's going on with the nationals in a second, but I just, I wanted to get your thoughts real quick, Jacob, on the gold outline jerseys. Uh, they're going to be getting their rings on Friday before the game. Before the game on Saturday, they're going to be doing a pregame tribute to Tommy Lasorda. And then on Sunday, they're going to be commemorating the 40th anniversary of Fernando Mania. Obviously, uh, Fernando, Valenzuela, Fernando Valenzuela, excuse me, I got all tongue-tied. Fernando Valenzuela, uh, obviously the great pitcher for the Dodgers. I don't know how his number isn't retired yet, but we need to we need to make that happen ASAP. Um, it's going to be a very festive weekend this weekend at Dodger Stadium. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm going to somehow try and figure out a way to get in there. Um, but Jacob, are you going to get a gold jersey? I think I'm going to have to. I mean, look, we're in the city of angels. Those gold jerseys are like the halos over you know the Dodger logo. So it's some nice symmetry right well, there. Well, it's the bling. It's the bling. Don't call it a halo. We're, we're not the angels. Hey, hey, hey. It, it, we're, we're in the city of angels. We're, we are the Los Angeles team. Yes, that's true. Uh, and yes, LA, big city, bling. Uh, I will most likely order a Kershaw or Bellinger version of the I'm jersey. Getting, I'm getting a Kershaw one. I I think uh, I have a Kofax jersey, so I think I'm going to stick with the pitchers. There you go. I like it. I like it. So, all right. The Nationals, who the Dodgers are playing this uh, opening weekend here at Dodger Stadium, they've had a, a bumpy start to their season. Uh, their season opening series uh, with the New York Mets was postponed last week. Uh, because a fourth player for the team tested positive for COVID-19. The Nationals finally played their first game of the season last night on or yesterday on Tuesday. I'm pretty sure they played a doubleheader, but not before putting 10 guys on the injured list. I, I refuse to say IL uh, since they've changed it to injured list because I just will automatically instinctively still say DL. Uh, I need to say injured list. So um, if you – I just – that's a personal thing with me. I don't know. Anyway, the Na, uh, the Nationals, they announced that starting pitchers Patrick Corbin, John Lester, catchers Jan Gomes and Alex Avila, first baseman Josh Bell, infielders Josh Harrison and Jordy Mercer, left fielder Kyle Schwarber, and reliever Brad Hand were all placed on the injured list, though none with a specified injury. So clearly they are in the health and safety protocols that the MLB has in place. Uh, the coronavirus outbreak sidelined in total 11 players, four of whom tested positive for COVID-19, though 
it hasn't been revealed who's tested positive. It's just those guys were placed on the injured list. Um, so four guys positive, seven guys in total in quarantine, or seven others told to be in quarantine after the contact tracing deemed that they were potentially exposed. It's very interesting to see how sports leagues now are navigating the coronavirus. I mean, we're on track for full stadiums in the NFL season upcoming in the fall. Obviously, the Rangers had a full stadium uh, for their home opener this week down in Arlington. It's it's just, I don't, they just have to mitigate it or manage it as best they can. And it's it's interesting to see that already opening weekend, there was a, a series postponed, but I guess that's just the world we're living in. I agree. It's the world we're living in, but I'm also kind of just shocked based on how well down the stretch major league baseball did with its players and COVID being able to go home and be with their families. Um, how football just pulled off a super bowl in an almost regular fashion. They with played all two fifty six regular season games and every single playoff game in the super bowl. They people thought that, we weren't even going to be able to start the season and they played every single game, not a single postponement. Agreed. And then with the NBA, yeah, there was a bit, a little bit of uh, some uh, delays and postponements, but you know, they got their uh, footing back. But honestly, I thought, you know, a baseball being one of the first to play with COVID and then going to be, the next to play their full season after the NFL just did their job. I don't see thought baseball ahead would have contacted all the teams and was like, you know, look, look, the two weeks before spring training are the most important. Don't do anything to mess up any postponements for opening day weekend and for anybody. And what, and what happens? We got some postponements. I mean, yeah, guys, I mean, it's, it, it's got to be on the players at, at some point to exactly. to realize that it's like, listen, this is a job. This is how you make your livelihood. This is – we you can't afford to, to lose games. And it's like your decisions affect other people. So it's it's pretty pretty interesting to see that that some players – but, I mean, hey, that's that's what you get when when you have a league of individuals right tyler yeah no i mean it's it, there's always it's going to be uh the human factor involved so you really you, you can never prepare enough but you can hope for the best i guess yeah so i mean hopefully this is the only postponement of the season and listen i mean it's it should be a lesson to to the rest of the league it's like we still got to take this seriously because we can't be we can't be missing games the players their fight was all about playing as many games as possible last season when they were negotiating the start of the season and then now negotiating a full 162 game season this year it's like the players got to hold up their end of the bargain too and play the games and and be available for the games and we should be getting near you know complete vaccination as well yeah 
that's that's definitely something that that should help and and definitely is helping as as more people get vaccinated but anyway on to some more exciting stuff from opening weekend we already had a benches clearing incident uh and it's uh between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Cincinnati Reds, uh, Reds outfielder Nick Castellanos was suspended two games uh, for his role in what happened. He is appealing it, but um, he he was disciplined for his actions in Saturday's game against the St. Louis Cardinals and was cited for, quote, his aggressive actions uh, and for instigating a benches clearing incident. Castellanos, who homered on opening day, um, when he hit the home run, he kind of did a little pimp job and and hopped out of the box before tossing his bat. Um, he then, on Saturday, gets hit by a pitch uh, from Cardinals pitcher Jake Woodford in the fourth inning uh, when Castellanos retrieved the ball uh, after being hit. He offered to toss it back to the pitcher. Obviously, that didn't go over too well uh, because uh, Castellanos kind of flipped the ball out of play. Uh, And then a wild pitch was thrown after Castellanos had made it all the way uh, to third base after uh, some plays later. But at the play at the plate, when Castellanos scored after the wild pitch, he he did a head slide first uh, to give the the Reds a seven to two lead. He bumped Jake Woodford at the plate in a in a collision at the plate when Woodford was trying to cover the plate. And after he scored, he kind of got up and and kind of looked down at Woodford on the ground and screamed at him. Kind of honestly, very similar to what someone would do if they just dunked on somebody and uh, the player ended up on the ground. Uh, and then obviously Yadier Molina backing up his pitcher, gotten Casayano's face and there was some pushing and some shoving and the bench is cleared. Um, but I mean, I'm honestly on Casayano's side here. I don't know about you guys. I, this is similar to the Trevor Bauer thing and Trevor Bauer was vocal about this, uh, on social media after after it happened, it's like Castellanos doing the pimp job on the home run. Like, yeah, that he's he's pumped up. Like that that adds some flavor. That adds that adds some juice to the to the game. Uh, that's that's what baseball needs. And we see so many young talents like Fernando Tatis. Uh, I mean, all these young guys in baseball. It's like they're trying to bring some extra flavor to the game, and it's like. They shouldn't be punished for that. Like, yeah, I I get the the bench is cleared, but it's like that shouldn't be uh, something that that the bench is clear over. And and I mean, it's it's the old old ways of baseball and and old ways of policing the game themselves with with pitchers going after guys when they when they do things like that. And and I understand that, but it's like there's got to be personality in baseball, man. Uh, I agree with you. Well, I am on Castellanos' side. I love the extra flavor he brought to basically the whole weekend series for him. Everybody was talking about it. Uh, I I also like, look, 
I like the unwritten some of the unwritten rules. Look, I love some of the un- I love some of the unwritten rules. If 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 now I'm I'm saying not the head. If you're gonna throw at somebody, it better be below the shoulders. Yeah, and and Castellanos didn't get hit uh, anywhere near the head. I think he got hit like more in his elbow, uh, rib, shoulder region area. Uh, it wasn't Woodford wasn't head hunting, but it it was definitely intentional. And you know what? That's okay because you know what? The players, look, they grew up on it. It's the old ways. Pay, pay the homage to the old ways. But one, the league cannot start suspending people for personality. Um, we don't want to turn into the NFL no fun league in <laughs> in a sense like that. Um, but we already are the no fun league because we don't even have an acronym for it. We're just no fun right now. I mean, Rob and, Manfred is a clown. He's the worst commissioner in sports. And that's uh, hard to do with Roger Goodell still, as a, still the commissioner <laughs> as of the NFL. That's, so. uh, but no, the, the whole weekend, uh, Castellanos, honestly, he did what he was supposed to do. He played the game hard and he brought some personality. And I, I agree with also Castellanos' words is like, yeah, Molina came up to me, kind of bumped me on the shoulder, but I'd still cu- walk up to him and ask for his autograph he's that great a player i knew he didn't have any intentions of yeah, wrongdoing he, yeah he was just backing up his teammate backing up his teammate and then you know what the bench is clear please come on as long as there's no real uh you know breaking of bones black eyes blood spew and i mean let's get some flavor have you ever been to a game where there was a benches clearing brawl or incident yes i have it was against the arizona diamondbacks at dodger stadium you it were was... at that wait you were at that game with zach the yeah. zach Ranky one yeah i was at that game too oh oh awesome <laughs> <laughs> where were you uh, wait that's so actually, wait where I, were you sitting uh loge level on uh, first base side interesting i was on the first base side too huh um but i think i was at another one too i think maybe with the if the Brewers and Dodgers had one, I, I I know I've been actually to two games where brawls have happened. That's funny. And um, it's always funny seeing everyone from the bullpen at Dodger Stadium. Oh, it's such a long run. Field. Such a long run. <laughs> it's like you guys don't walk that fast when you get called from the bullpen. <laughs> yeah, Tyler, what what um, were you gonna say? You're gonna hop in there. Oh, I was just saying. You know, it it was. Baseball does need, like, the personality, and I think he he is – that was cool because he was playing with passion and all that, but I do understand, like, he was the reason why the bench is cleared, you know? Oh, yeah. Ultimately, like, if you're, if you're going to punish someone, he has to be the guy. I don't know what the precedent is for, like, the punishment, but, um, like, I understand why he was suspended. He definitely, like, initiated the brawl. Yeah, I mean, I under I understand why he was suspended, and like obviously we can't have the benches clearing, but it's just like, it just the the culture needs to start if, changing to where it's like that shouldn't result in a benches clearing incident. Well, I mean, he no, well, yeah, it shouldn't re- result in the benches clearing, but you know, if I'm well, if I'm on another team and somebody intimidates me like that, like at the plate right in front of me, you know? Right, but I'm saying, like, like... most players are going to act the same way as Molina did. Well, yeah, no, for sure. But what I'm saying is it's, like, Castellano shouldn't have been beamed after the pimp job for his home run on opening day. It's, like, 
he should be allowed to pimp job his home run if he got the best of the pitcher. It's like, no, the pitcher should have striked him out if he didn't want him to pimp job his home run. Well, the pitcher has every right struck to him beam out. him. I, said he, I mean, the pitcher's got every right to beam him as the batter's got to, you know, flip the bat. So, you know, that's what it is. There's, there's just, uh, I don't know, what am I looking for? Uh, punishment for the actions, you know? It, it, it's, it was good for the game, ultimately. You know, how it all played out. Yeah. It was more exciting. Yeah. But, all right. Last thing for you, Jacob, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I, I thought this would be fun to end on. Um, obviously, I don't want to get too much into the politics behind it, but the All-Star game this year uh, is getting moved from Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, to Denver, Colorado, to where the Rockies play. Um, it's being moved because Major League Baseball said it does not agree with new voting legislation that has been passed into law in the state of Georgia. But all I really care about, and it's really honestly hilarious that we have you on the show tonight to talk about this, but all of my MLB The Show dreams uh, are going to come true with having a home run derby at Coors Field. Uh, there have been many, many, many a nights when I have been at your condo Jacob with you and your brother Rafi and we have played uh, home run derby uh, on MLB the show and we have specifically played the stadium at Coors Field and we just wanted to see how many home runs we could hit and who could hit the most and now we're going to get to see that in real life and there better be records broken this year Josh Hamilton, Jock Peterson, all, all the other guys that have had big-time one-round performances where they're getting like 20-plus in a round, I need to see those records broken this year. I 100% agree with you. If there was going to be, be a place for the All-Star game to be moved to where the weekend – can give an homage to Hank Aaron, the original home run king. Uh, he's the true uh, home run king in my book. Yes, he is. I'm just covering my bases here. The original, <laughs> but the only and the original home run king is to have the home run derby in the Mile High City where the oxygen is thinner and those balls just fly out of there. I I'm not I'm more interested in seeing who hits it the farthest than how many in a single round because I want someone to get to like 600 feet. I mean they gotta. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the record that we hit on MLB the Show was like 512, something like that. And and that was me. But um, I didn't want to I didn't want to go there. But I mean, hey, pat yourself on the back. Why don't you? Yeah, well, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. But no, uh, honestly, that will be the most exciting part of the weekend. I will be making sure I get to watch the Home Run Derby in Coors Field. And I think because of the conditions known throughout the league of how Coors Field and home runs go, they should expand the Home Run Derby to make it an even bigger event. Yeah, I mean, I think they really need to, to make – the home run derby, the marquee event of, of all-star weekend, especially now that the all-star game doesn't mean anything towards home field advantage in the world series. 
can't agree with you more. The home, the home run derby is the most exciting thing in baseball during all-star weekend. And considering how with the, uh, big in analytics of the three true outcomes you're either getting a strikeout you're either getting a walk or you're either getting a home run let's uh let's amp up those home runs with the home run derby yeah definitely tyler does this entice you to watch the mlb all-star game this year i don't know about the game but you know <laughs> well, i don't mind the home, the home run, run derby. derby of course oh yeah i mean i think that is like the must-see event you know yeah that, that's what everybody wants to see and they should they should expand it. It'd be it'd be cool to see that. Yes. Well, Jacob, uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Thank you so much for hopping on with us tonight. Uh, real quick, why don't you uh, plug your social media, plug your website, anything and everything that the people need to know of where they can find you for all of their real estate needs here in the Los Angeles area. Thank you very much, Eric, and thank you also to Tyler for having me on the TSK show. Uh, it's always a pleasure listening to you guys and uh, talking sports. So, uh, real estate all over the LA Valley, and how I'll get you in California, and I'll refer you to the best agents all over the United States and even the world if you really want to move outside of the United States. You can find me on Instagram at jdiamondrealtor. Very easy, J Diamond Realtor. And my website and email is J Diamond Estates or J Diamond Estates at gmail.com. I'd love to help you. Uh, first thing you should do before you even talk to me is get in touch with a lender so you know exactly how much uh, your budget can be for a home with the down payment and uh, loan amount and price. But other than that, I'm here to help you, guide you, and ultimately find you a nice place to live and then you know what if you want to sell i'll help you sell your place for the top dollar and get you into an even bigger one but uh ultimately i'm just here to help you navigate the whole buying and selling side and i appreciate eric and tyler letting me on and sponsor throughout the throughout their show all right jacob thank you so much tyler let's hit three in the key Come on, you're getting paid. Ask something. Seconds at mid court. Final seconds. Bryant for the win. Did I miss anything while I was gone? take this and you burn it. Job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. So when you get done with this, you should be butt-ass naked. We are back here on the Sports Kingdom show. Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar, joined by my co-host, Tyler Pacholke. Tyler, it's time to hit three in the key. And uh, for this first topic in three in the key, we're going to kind of combine three in the key in the Lake show lowdown. Um, Andre Drummond made his debut for the Lakers, but ended up not even being able to finish the game because his toenail got ripped off. Uh, he's missed the last few games with that. Hopefully he'll be back tomorrow against the heat. He posted on his Instagram that he was going to be playing 
Uh, he was on the injury report today as probable for the game. Um, but as a quick aside from Andre Drummond being out, I hope all you Marcus All haters realize how important he is to this team because that first quarter against the the Raptors, that was a big middle finger to all of you because Marcus All is so important to this team. He can facilitate. He can score the basketball when he needs to. He's a big body that can play defense when he's called upon. He is one of the smartest basketball players in the NBA right now and has been really his entire career. Um, it's it's really been remarkable to kind of see the revenge tour that, that Marcus Gasol's been on since the acquisition of Andre Drummond by the Lakers because clearly uh, the acquisition of, of Andre Drummond, it has affected Marcus All's playing time. It's it's impacted uh, his minutes, but I mean I understand where the Lakers and Frank Vogel are coming from committing to Andre Drummond, especially during this time without LeBron James and Anthony Davis, because they do have to get Andre Drummond acclimated to the system and ready to play once Anthony Davis and LeBron James come back. But Marcus All is still such an important piece to this team he he said after the game yesterday uh, against Toronto that he's 100% committed to this team whether it's five minutes 20 minutes it doesn't matter he's he's 100% committed there there there've been a lot of speculation about his role and his future with the with the team with the, with the April 9th uh, buyout uh, deadline coming up here on Friday um, so I mean Tyler I'm I'm excited to see Andre Drummond make his return. Uh, I'm excited to see Marcus All back on this team, but I'm also really excited to see that the Lakers they filled their final roster spot. They signed Ben McLemore, who was released by the Rockets over the weekend. Uh, McLemore will be asked to provide three-point shooting on the Lakers' wing. Asked to be playing defense uh, against some of the top wings in the Western Conference and, and in the NBA. I mean, he he his number will be called upon by this team, and he's gonna need to shine in those moments. Um, he was the number seven overall pick in the 2013 draft. He is a career 36.3 percent three point shooter, but he hit 40.2 percent from distance combined during the 28. 18-2019 season with the Sacramento Kings and the 2019-2020 season with the Houston Rockets. So, Tyler, what do you think of the addition uh, of Ben McLemore? I, I definitely think it's low-risk, high-reward kind of situation. Uh, do I get the same sense from you? Uh, see, I'm, I'm a little more excited than that. I think this is like the perfect player they needed, and you know how I felt about Wes Matthews. I mean, I think that he's a good veteran player, but I didn't really think that he was an answer or even necessarily going to be a guy that's going to be able to play late in games. He's been playing series. better as of late. He, he's kind of gotten out of the funk he, he was in. Well, he better play a lot better now with Macklemore in town. Yeah, no, he'll be Macklemore, coming for his minutes you know, for sure. 
Yeah, like he had depth at the two and the three. He had like perimeter shooting, which you always need. Um, he's a versatile player. He's a veteran, you, you know. So uh, I, I really like Ben McElmore as an addition to this team because uh, he fills a lot of he fills a lot of gaps for them. Um, he can play with he can play with damn near every perimeter player. You know, you can fit him in the lineup a lot of different ways and. You know, with the health of Anthony Davis and LeBron James kind of being uh, up in the air right now as far as, like, timetables go, uh, it's not, he's a really nice addition for for that period. And then when they do come back, he's just going to be a great spacing guy for them. Yeah, and, I mean, listen, once once Anthony Davis and LeBron James come back, it everyone's job gets easier. But for the time being, it's like we're the Lakers are going to need – guys to step up on on both ends of the court and I mean to be perfectly honest I've been kind of disappointed in Dennis Schroeder I mean aside from last night or yesterday against the the Raptors with that whole situation with OG Ananobi which that was some straight bullshit OG Ananobi I don't know what he was thinking in that situation but I, I he was just reacting you know I don't think there's any thought process it was wrong, but I think it was just, you know, heat of the moment reaction. Yeah, but I mean. I regret it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Schroeder did the right thing by not allowing him to score, but also not letting him get hurt either. And there there was clearly no malicious intent behind what Schroeder did and for OG to just flip. Yeah, I mean, you really don't, you're really not thinking in that situation. You kind of just react. No, it doesn't excuse the behavior of not course, at all. Like it does see us, but that you know, I do think that it wasn't anything malicious by OG. I think it was just a key to the moment, bang bang reaction. That, yeah, you know, and it was a frustrating. It was a frustrating first quarter for for the Raptors. They were also without six guys to begin with that night, so they they started the game depleted anyway. So it it was an uphill battle to to begin with. So it frustration is just boiled over in that in that moment but back to Schroeder I would I wanted him to take more charge during this time without LeBron and Anthony Davis and I don't think he has so adding a guy like Ben McElmore it just gives the Lakers another option for for more offense so I mean the more contributions the better um I've really liked how Kuz has played during this stretch. I really like how Trez has played during this stretch. Um, aside from the outside noise with Marcus All, he's been as consistent as he has been all year, helping the Lakers uh, win the games that they're supposed to during this time uh, without LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And I think that's been the biggest key, Tyler, is the Lakers have won games that that they they're supposed to during this stretch. I mean, people thought that they weren't going to win a game at all during this stretch without yeah, well, without LeBron and AD and they're four and five and those four wins are the four wins that they were supposed to get. Yeah. Well, and every one of them is monumental because, you know, say if you only win one of those games, now you're in seventh place. If you only win two of those games, you're in sixth place, you know? So each one of those games is, is like a playoff spot, you know? So th- those are all very, very important wins, and they're, they're going to continue to be that important until those guys are back on the court. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like we said before, you know, they had started – like we said right when LeBron went down, it's like they need to go 500. 
you know, that's and that's kind of where they're at, which yeah. is good. I mean, I think if you can get 500 out of this stretch without your two best players um, and like 80% of your offense when you, you know, when you put in LeBron's passing ability, it, you know, that's those are huge shoes to fill. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking, well. I'm looking at the standings right now. They're they're 32 and 19. They're they're half a game out of fourth uh, behind Denver, who's 32 and 18, and then Portland is 30 and 20. Uh, a game and a half behind the Lakers, and then Dallas is twenty-eight and twenty-one uh, in the seventh seed, and Memphis is twenty-five and twenty-three in the eighth seed, and then San Antonio and Golden State uh, in the nine-ten position uh, for the play-in tournament uh, at twenty-four and twenty-seven, and and uh, the, Pel- the the Warriors are twenty-four and twenty-seven, and the Spurs are in even five hundred, twenty-four and twenty-four. So yeah, like you said, I mean. I've I've been saying uh, on Twitter at least that there's zero margin for error with the Lakers during this time um, without LeBron James and Anthony Davis because I don't want them to slip in the standings. I don't think they themselves as players don't want to slip in the standings. I think that's very safe to say that they want to come out and win every game. It's not like they're dogging it or, or throwing in the towel because they're two best players and two top five players in the world are sitting on the bench injured. Um, but I also think that the West is so competitive to the point where it's like, even if the Lakers do lose a couple more games than they should, I think the teams behind them in the standings, they're going to be beaten up on each other enough because they're jockeying for their own position that it's it's really not going to matter much. And I don't think the Lakers are really going to slip past maybe the sixth spot so um but the lakers like i said in my opinion they have zero margin for error they need to win the games that they're supposed to win and so yeah, far they've done that two three in a row yeah you know, exactly you, you, just, you can't you can't go on little skids you know just keep it afloat you know day 500 it'll be all good you know yeah and listen they're going through one of the toughest parts of their schedule right now. They're technically on a seven-game road trip where they started in Sacramento. They came down and played the Clippers uh, on Sunday, but that was uh, technically a Clipper home game. And then yesterday, uh, on Tuesday, they played in Tampa Bay against Toronto. They're 2-1 and one to start this uh, seven-game road trip, but then they got Miami, Brooklyn, the Knicks, and then Charlotte. And then they come home to play Boston and then Utah back-to-back. So they they got their work cut out for them in, in this upcoming stretch, and they have to do their best to to stay afloat and really not, not slip. And with additions like Ben McElmore and Andre Drummond coming back, I think that they are in a good position to stay afloat, like I said. Yeah, but I I look for them to still stay that five six seed um, spot. But you know, like you said, they they could easily you know zero margin for error. You don't want to drop all those games and find yourself at the seven eight seed. Exactly. I don't I don't want to be in the playing tournament. I don't I don't want that stress on my life. Yeah. No. You, <laughs> and you, I can you, only you imagine the, the stress on the players and the and and the sure. the guys that actually have to do it in real life. 
Yeah, and I mean the Lakers can make that kind of run, but you'd obviously just rather not. Yeah, but also we said that it, it would also be pretty fun to see the teams at the top of the Western Conference standings scrambling to not play the Lakers in the first round. Yeah, no, it's for sure going to play out that way, especially if we brought an AD get back on the court and looking good. Yeah. So, I mean, what are you looking forward to? Like, what are you looking forward to with Andre Drummond coming back? Um, I know I I mentioned it at the top, and we kind of started talking about Ben McElmore and, and some other stuff. I didn't I didn't really give you a chance to talk about Andre Drummond, but we'll wrap up with with the Lakers on on this. Um, you know, during this stretch without LeBron and AD, it's going to be just all about him kind of getting into the flow of where he needs to be on offense and defense um, because, you know, he's not a guy that's going to, like, take over games for you offensively. He's a he's a he's he's an elite rebounder. He's a good rim protector. And he's a decent player on offense as far as the putback game and, and whatnot. Um, so, you know, while those guys are out, it's just important. It's not really stats. Um, that we're worried about just figuring out how to play with the Lakers. Um, and then, you know, once LeBron and AD, that's why he's here is to be a compliment to the superstars because he's such a, he's a great player himself. Right. So like when he was in Detroit, he was asked to be that number one option. It's like, he's not being brought to the Lakers to be that option. He's here to compliment LeBron and AD. And so I, I really, yeah, can't and think of it working out any better. better. You know, at, at this point in the game, uh, where we're at as far as the pro basketball game, you can't have your number one option as a back to your back, low post president. It's just not going to work out. You're not going to score enough points. Yeah, uh, to be competitive. So this is definitely, you know, it allows. It, he's just a great piece to play with with AD and LeBron. You need talent around those guys. Um, and he's going to bring all this stuff that they're necessarily not focused on. Yeah. And I know you've always been a big proponent of uh, Marcus all on the Lakers. Yeah. I think his role has never really changed in my mind. I know he's kind of had ups and downs as far as, you know, we added another center. He was hurt. You know, uh, he was the starter at the beginning of the year, but you know, he's just such a pro. I just do believe like, you know, five minutes or, or, or 30 minutes, uh, you know, if he has to play Jokic or he has to play, you know, uh, James Wiseman, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? He's going to come prepared and he's never going to be the liability on the court. He, he doesn't really have, he has zero pressure on him. And he's a great, like you said, he's a great team basketball player. So um, he's just pure. He's just a pure luxury. They have three, three viable options to go to uh, at the center position. And all three guys bring a lot of different things to the game. They're all three, you know, Drummond, Montrez, and Gasol can be different, you know. Yeah. So that's just dangerous because it just doesn't matter who you match up with at the center position on other team. The Lakers, got they've got a guy for that. Yeah, and, I mean, Vogel's been adamant since Drummond's been added to the team that – they're going to need all three of those guys in Andre Drummond, Marcus All, and Montrez Harrell uh, in that center rotation down the stretch and for this playoff and championship run coming up in in a, in basically almost a month, uh, month and a half. Well, basically, it was a clear, it was just a clear strategy to we have to do whatever we can to 
get Ann Davis to not play in the center position. When Ann Davis plays the four, we feel like we're unbeatable. Yeah. And we went out, we got three guys this year. And let's not forget you know I mean? Markeith we got, Morris. We, we, but, well, no, I was just going to say, let's not forget Markeith Morris. I mean, he's been impactful during this stretch without LeBron AD, and his role has fluctuated uh, during his time with the Lakers. So, I mean, he's been the ultimate professional as well uh, during well, all of this. Life, life as a Laker, you know what I mean? That's that's why they got all these guys like KCP and and and, and Morris and Gasol. And Kuz. Uh, Kuz has really West, been – well, I mean, Wesley, I mean, just like new additions, you know. Wesley oh, yeah, Matthews, I got you. Like, these guys, these guys are, are, whether they're like top end or in the best prime of their career, it doesn't matter. They're just professional guys that can come in in any kind of situation, two minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes. Um, you know, you're going to get good basketball out of those guys. Yeah, and, and my, my point with Kuz is he he's really come to understand uh, – the idea and the brand of being a Laker and being a champion. And he's also really embraced getting the chance to learn from guys like LeBron and AD. And it's like, you don't get those opportunities really anywhere else in the league, but the Lakers. And he's, he's really come to understand which is, that. Which is why, which is why he's a Laker. I mean, he could yeah. have more money and more, more shot attempts, more minutes. And, and, and probably a dozen teams in the league. You know, yeah. yeah plenty of options i mean this is a good basketball player but i think that those things that you just said are are what you know set the lakers apart from all these other franchises yeah and and that's that's the culture that the bus family has has built and and credit to to genie bus the the greatest owner in sports in my opinion uh for carrying on that legacy that that her father started Well, I'm a big Mark Cuban guy, so <laughs> I, I don't know if I can go that far, but she's done an, an amazing job, obviously. <laughs> well, all right, let's uh, let's talk about Drew Holiday because uh, this man got a bag. Uh, ESPN Adrian Wojnarowski reported on Sunday that Holiday and the Bucks have agreed to a four-year extension worth $135 million in base salary, and it could be up worth up to $160 million, uh, including all of the incentives laced into that contract. The Milwaukee Bucks now have Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis Antetokounmpo locked up long-term, big money for all three. But my question to you, Tyler, is this trio enough to compete with Brooklyn in the Eastern Conference? Um, no, not this year for sure. Um, what I think that they are investing in is defense in an offensive era. Oh yeah, they've got they they invested all their money into three of the most versatile defenders in the NBA. Yeah. So I mean, the issue with the issue I have with their team is like, I think that Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton would both be like a really good number three with Giannis. Like the number two guy really needs to be a bucket getter. That, a perimeter guy that can go get you to bucket, and neither one of them really bring that. That's, that's exactly like, what I was going to say, Tyler. Who is who well, is going to be the guy that when you need a bucket in crunch time, who's going to be yeah. the guy on this team to go get it? Well, I mean, you, you'd hope Giannis. You you'd know, hope, obviously. But, but is Mike Budenholzer going to have him out there in crunch range. time? 
Is is, is Boonholzer going to have him out of there in course. crunch time? Of course, of course, you have to. It, it just, he didn't last you year. Have to, you you have to assume that he's going to as a competitor and the elite player he is. Similar to like Shaq, I made them when they counted. You know, you just got to put your best players out there, uh, and I and they are just like they can now. They now have a like a big three stopper on defense. Any big three, any team's got. They've got good matchups for all of them. No, they're I'm going to start calling them the bad boy Bucks because they're going to be all about defense. They're they're. Yeah, and I think that when, you know, when Giannis is handling the ball, you know, Drew Holiday is a capable enough shooter. Uh, Chris Middleton is an above-average shooter. Brooke Lopez is a good shooter. Uh, you know what I mean? When, when Giannis can really create and has the ball in his hands, they're a tough stop. But can Giannis' offense carry the team for a seven-game series to the NBA championship? Uh, you know, he that's that's kind of the last that's one of the last things Giannis has to prove in his young career is get to a finals and win a finals. So, um, yeah, I mean, Drew Holiday, I'm super happy because I think he's, he deserves it. And, oh, very much so. I think middle, I think Middleton deserves it. And I think Giannis deserves it. And, and I like what the bucks are doing now. Do I think it's enough to beat the Nets this year? No, I don't, but they put themselves in a position to, uh, to, be able to compete with any anybody in the league defensively. Yeah, definitely. And listen, I mean, dude, think if Gobert sides with them. Why would you even say that, dude? Because I think it's a possibility. Because Gobert, I think, is for sure leaving. Well, hold on. I don't know. I, I thought Gobert signed a max. I don't. Yeah, and I don't know when he signed it, but oh, I'm I looking it up. Like I'm looking it up. You know they are, they are very good. So this season may have <laughs> saved the damaged relationships, but it could be it would be dangerous. Oh, okay. Gobert's not up for free agency until twenty twenty six. All right, so you're safe. It would take a trade. <laughs> yes, it would take a trade, and I mean they would have to match some heavy heavy salary because yeah they would have to trade Middleton or, or Drew or Bull yeah because Gobert's signed 5 years 205 he's making next year he's ma- or this year he's making or no next year he's making 35 million a year this no, year and, he's making and, 25 you know he was all head comment because it would be scary defensively but no no they, I know. they would be a wor- they would be a wor- even worse offensive team if that was yeah but no listen like you said i'm happy for drew he i think if you were to ask and survey the nba i think an overwhelming majority and i only know this from a small sample size of the podcasts that i listen to that have had current and former nba players from this era talk about who is the most underrated player in the nba and they all say drew holiday so i'm I'm so stoked for Drew Holiday getting this. He is a Campbell Hall alum, which is a private school here in the San Fernando Valley uh, in Studio City. He's an L.A. kid. Uh, so his mom's AD, right? Uh, I believe so, or she was, and I think she was also the women's he basketball was. coach. I'm not sure if she was or still is, but, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, the holidays. Yeah, what, at what point 
At what point is Drew Holiday not – at what point is he rated correct, correctly? I was just talking to my brother about this. He's been the most underrated player for so long, and, and every basketball person says this, that don't you just feel like he's rated appropriately at this point? Like everybody acknowledged that there was a point in time when he was underrated. That makes me feel like everybody actually did like him. He just maybe wasn't getting the press. Well, I think the – You know what I mean? Yeah, because like if I, I everybody thinks he's underrated, is he actually underrated? I mean, I think uh, when it comes to that, it's like you got to look at what someone is worth to their franchise, and it's like if the Bucks are willing to pay him up to potentially one hundred and sixty million dollars over four years, that's forty million dollars well, a year. I I would say yeah, that he's now solidified. In past, and in the past, you know. It's just like contracts have a lot to do with timing. You know what I yes, mean? Yes, like, they do. And if, you're it's... Not, if you're not coming off your, your your best season, you can lose a lot of money. And really not, you know, and he he went through a lot. So on and off the court. So yes. um, it is good to see regardless. Everybody loves Drew. Um, it, it's dope that a franchise is really just getting behind him. Yeah, definitely. Um. I was going to say one more thing about I lost my train of thought. Damn it. All right. Anyway, let's let's move on because uh we're we're running out of time here. Uh last thing we wanted to talk about uh two players uh that I think are pretty near and dear to the TSK show heart. Isaiah Thomas and DeMarcus Cousins. They are back on NBA rosters. Isaiah Thomas signed a 10-day contract with the New Orleans Pelicans, and DeMarcus Cousins unfortunately signed a 10-day contract with the Los Angeles Clippers, and he looked pretty good in his debut for them yesterday. Uh, so I could I could definitely see DeMarcus getting at least another second 10-day contract, potentially getting signed for the rest of the season uh, with the Clippers uh, because uh, they're also dealing with Serge Ibaka, who is still out. Uh, so DeMarcus Cousins would be a, a great addition for the Clippers and, and ha- is a great addition uh, since he is now a member of the Clippers. Uh, but more importantly, Tyler, Isaiah Thomas, what a journey this man has been through. Talking talking about journeys, um, especially basketball-wise. Uh, talk about contracts and bad timing. <laughs> yeah, talk about contracts and bad <laughs> timing and journeys. Wow, let's really bring it all full circle here. Uh, um, but no, I'm I'm stoked uh, for it getting a chance with New Orleans. Um, ho- yeah, man. Hopefully he he's can just stick such around. Such a likable guy. Yeah, you know, everybody I, loves it. I feel like, and he's just such a great underdog story. Just always, always questioned. You know, everybody always questioned his abilities uh, for whatever reason. He's always kind of faced adversity head on. Um, his his slogan is the slow grind. You know, just every day grind it out. Um, and I, I think that I think that he's going to end up making this team, this team. You know, yeah. Uh, I think he's a good he's a good third guard for them with Bledsoe and Monzo. You know, they can play. They he can play with both of them. He provides a little bit of offense, which you know, Lonzo is more of a playmaking uh, defensive guy. Uh, and. You know, I just uh, – I think he still has got a lot to offer the game. And then Boogie, I definitely think, is going to get signed for the season. Yeah. 
um, that's a that's a really good pickup for for them. So uh, excited for both of those guys, and I, I do think that both of them are going to end up playing out the season with their respective teams. Yeah. Well, we wish nothing but the best for them uh, the rest of the season. All please stay in good health. Um, so yeah, I mean, Tyler, you got a, you got a shout out before we get out of here. Yeah, man, it was, it was such, it was such a weird day. Uh, you thought I was lying to you. You thought I was trying to trick you. Well, no, I mean, I just, I just thought it was hilarious. I texted a few people. I said, uh, there's no way I believe that Roy Williams is actually retiring on April Fool's day. I mean, (laughs) How, how how do you pick that as your day to retire? Uh, There's no way know, he where, knew it was April Fool's mind. Day, Tyler. There's no way. Nah, he must have blew that. Just not <laughs> not thinking about it. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, in the back of my mind, I think I knew it was true. But it was just so funny to see that he announced his retirement on that day of all days. But shout out uh, the next guy up, Hubert Davis. Um, he, you know, he's kind of been groomed for for the last decade uh, under Roy Williams. He was a North Carolina player, uh, ex NBA guy. Uh, so, you know, there was a lot of good. Uh, There's a lot of good choices. I think that you know, North Carolina is probably one of the most attractive coaching jobs in all of sports. So, uh, it couldn't have gone to a better dude for sure. I'm excited to see what what he brings to the table. He left ESPN to go be an assistant for Roy Williams. Yeah, he called I remember him calling, you know, doing a lot of in-game analysts. Yeah, him and Jay Billis uh, were analysis. like in 1A and yep. 1B for ESPN for college analysis, I'm I feel like. Yeah. Yep, yep, definitely. No, he was definitely a great commentator, uh which shows that he's just got a good basketball mind, so um, yeah, I'm excited for this chapter. This is uh, this is only, I, I think, the fourth coach. He's the fourth coach in my lifetime. It's the first African American coach for the University of North Carolina uh, men's basketball team. And as another, well. yeah, another big, another huge milestone for him. He should be, he should be excited and proud. You know, it it, uh, it couldn't happen to a better dude. Yep. And then uh, I'm just going to shout out uh, once again, Jacob Diamond. Uh, our amazing, great sponsor from J Diamond Estates for coming on the show tonight to go around the diamond and talk some baseball with us. I just, I love that pun going around the diamond and Jacob Diamond. Uh, diamond is his last name. It's, it's just perfect. Um, for all, of, well. yes, it does. For for all of your real estate needs here in the Los Angeles area, contact Jacob Diamond at eight one eight four five one eight five three nine, or you can check out his website, J Diamond Estates. Dot com DRE number 02068311. With that, that wraps up this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. For Tyler Pacholke, I am Eric, the Duke of Sports Scholar. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.